Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thank you so much for listening. It's it's a pleasure to have you with me today, as usual. And my next guest uh, has been with us before. It's been a while, though. So Kelly Fennell, who is an attorney and president of Executive Financial Services, a national ESOP consulting firm. You've probably heard about an ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Plan. Well, you're going to learn more about that. Kelly's also the author of the highly acclaimed book, The ESOP Coach, Using ESOPs and Ownership Succession Planning. And he's going to be discussing the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on exit planning in general. So Kelly, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me once again and uh, glad to have you with me. Thank you, Bill. It's great to be with you. It's been a while and it's a pleasure to reconnect. It sure is. Uh, things have thing, you know, things have changed and things are the same in in certain ways. Uh, I guess in the business owner community, uh business owners are going through yet another cycle uh that was uh, totally unexpected. Um and it it's creates uh a lot of need for discussion about planning topics, um, and ESOP is certainly one of those we want to talk about. So tell us a little bit more about you and what you've been up to, and um, then we'll get into the, the subject matter at hand. Well, Executive Financial Services is a national ESOP consulting firm. Uh, next year, we will have been in business 40 years. Uh, we do business uh, all over the country in this very small uh, niche market of employee stock ownership planning. Um, for the last 15 years, ESOPs have been our only business, and so we're very involved in uh, the ESOP professional community, uh, and we work with business owners to help them make the decision as to whether or not an ESOP is the right exit path for them. Uh, for most business owners, frankly, Bill, it's not. For a business owner who wants to take the money and run and separate himself from the company as quickly as possible and, and cash in and uh, move to Florida and enjoy retirement, uh, an ESOP might not be the right solution. But there are many business owners uh, who, if they knew more about this exit planning option, would be, able, be in a position to decide whether or not it's the right strategy for them. Yeah, excellent point. It's certainly something that is uh, on a short list of strategies almost always discussed as um, uh, should you take a look at this and uh, company, uh, your company helps people really make that, that kind of granular decision. Uh, and yeah. what I like about it is that they, they you know, it, like you said, they won't always pull the trigger on ESOP. Sometimes, Sometimes they'll come back. I've had clients that came back after several years and said, you know, let's talk about that ESOP thing because the rest of the strategies aren't panning out really well. Um, what, what has been the impact 
of the coronavirus pandemic on exit planning strategies in general from your perspective? Well, I read a study published by GF Data last week. Uh, GF Data is a firm that aggregates uh, private equity transaction information uh, across the country. And according to them, for the second quarter of 2020, compared to that same period in 2019, private equity transactions were down 55%. So the market for uh, private equity purchases has contract, con, contracted dramatically uh, as a result of the pandemic. During that same period of time, uh, our ESOP business has increased 27%. And so there is an enormous uh, opportunity uh, for people who um, have not been able to sell to private equity because they've become so conservative as a result of the pandemic, to not have to put their exit plan on hold until the private equity market bounces back and go ahead and sell to an ESOP now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's an interesting statistic for down to 55% in the private equity marketplace. I can think of a few reasons that, that that might make sense one of those being that owners are afraid their valuation is going to come in too low. Because I know what, from what I hear, there's a lot of private equity money out there. Well, what can you? What do you think is the reason for that being um, down so heavily in, in the PE market? Then let's get into that ESOP side. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The money is out there. Uh, PE firms are, are bulging uh, with cash that they would like to have the opportunity to invest but the uncertainty that has been created by the pandemic has caused them to be much more conservative um, and, you know, perhaps make an offer to uh, a closely held company for a purchase, but at a dramatically lower multiple or with much tighter uh, reps and warranties than that owner might have expected uh, in just the year prior. Of the pandemic, and so I think yeah, and I would think I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think uncertainty among the private equity firms has been the primary driver of uh, their pullback in the market. I'm wondering if owners are also wondering uh, if they want, like you said, they want to be tied to their reps and warranties, and uh, and want to be. You know, maybe maybe now looks like a good time to sell, but what's it going to look like on the back end of that two or three years from now? They they might be wondering if they're going to come out of this thing and when uh, and yeah, how. I think, uh, for a, I think for a lot of baby boomer business owner, there is cycle fatigue. I mean, think about it. Um, we had 9-11 20 years ago. Then in 2008, the Great Recession began. And now we're dealing with uh, coronavirus. And so um, there are many baby boomer business owners who I think are exhausted by the, the cycles and the risk to their business that those cycles present. And um, they are interested in doing something sooner rather than later. And with the private equity market not being very active right now, 
but the desire for liquidity transactions being out there, I think the natural uh, opportunity is for business owners to consider an ESOP. So let's talk about that. So the ESOPs are uh, up 27% in your practice. Um, what are the key indicators of a situation where an ESOP uh, might be an appropriate exit planning strategy? And why do, why do you hear from owners that while they might have been holding back, now they're, they're moving forward with ESOPs? One of the primary indicators is a company that has an ownership culture already. Uh, our biggest single market niche is professional advisory firms, and so that would include engineers. We, we do half of our ESOPs that we did last year were for engineering firms. Those are businesses where the value of the company is based almost entirely on the company's reputation and on its employees, and those companies often already have widely dispersed ownership within the firm. They often operate under an open book management style, uh, architectural firms, uh, financial services firms. We've done ESOPs for mortgage companies, for investment advisory firms, all of those types of businesses where the company's culture and its value is tied so closely to the employees are great uh, opportunities for an ESOP. One of the things that a third-party purchaser always tells a business owner and that business owner's employees is that after the purchase, nothing is going to change. And the reality of it is after the purchase, everything changes. And an ESOP gives you a way to make sure that that doesn't happen, that the culture stays the same, uh, and that you reward the people who have made the company successful, not just on a short-term basis with salary and bonus, but also on a long-term basis uh, with a retirement plan that is based on the value of the company. We also see with um, owners who are not looking to take the money and run, I referred to that earlier, but owners that are seeking liquidity but not an exit uh, that they are often really good candidates. I've got a friend uh, who, in his mid-60s, uh, told his wife he was going to, to sell his company and retire and be home every day. And she said, look, I married you to have dinner, not lunch. And I've got my own life. You've got your own life. You stay in your lane. I'll stay in mine. And so he ended up doing an ESOP and got the liquidity that he needed for his family to protect them, while at the same time maintaining his position within the company and uh, having his own life while she continued to live her own life. And it just worked out really well. We see lots of business owners who don't have any intention of ever retiring completely. They're probably going to slow down. They might move from... Uh, a tactical role running the business on a day-to-day -day basis to a more strategic role where they stay involved but more in a mentor capacity. Okay. And an ESOP can work great in that situation. We had a, a business owner in our conference room one day 
tell me that he didn't want to pay repay employee loyalty with betrayal. And he viewed a sale to a third party as a betrayal of his company. And mm-hmm. so that type of philosophy with a business owner is a really good indicator that they're a, a candidate for an ESOP. And business owners who uh, want to keep the business in the family, maybe they have an active child in the business and an inactive child, and they want to split their estate equally and take care of both children. And if they leave the business to the active child, uh, that equalization won't happen. But if they uh, uh, give the inactive child an interest in the business, then that creates a whole new set of problems. And so we see business owners oftentimes selling 50% of their company to an ESOP leaving uh, the reinvestment of that money to the inactive child and leaving the business to the active child to run after they're gone. And so those are some key indicators Mm -hmm. that we've seen for for companies that are really good candidates for an ESOP. So those are great. That's a great overview of what the indicators are. What's the process for determining whether a business could be a good candidate for an ESOP, Kelly? We typically um, will have a conference call with a business owner, uh, their CFO, and oftentimes the advisor that refers them in, and talk in general about what an ESOP is and and how it works and answer their questions. Um, I refer to this step in the process oftentimes as correcting Uh, some ESOP fables that they might have. There is more misinformation in the market about ESOPs than there is accurate information. So we're happy to have at no charge uh, to the business owner a call to just answer their questions about what an ESOP is and how it works. If based on that they think that they're interested in pursuing the ESOP option, Then the next step is for us to perform a feasibility study for them. So we get engaged. We gather lots of of information. And in the feasibility study, we answer the four key questions that every business owner has before they make a decision. The first question is, if I were going to sell to an ESOP today, what would I expect the purchase price to be? That's always Mm -hmm. the number one question. The second question is, how would I expect the transaction to be financed? So with an ESOP, it's not the perfect strategy, as I mentioned earlier, for someone who wants to take the money and run. With an ESOP, you might expect to receive 60% of the sales price at close, but then the other 40% would come in the form of a promissory note issued by the ESOP to the seller, and that promissory note would be paid out over time. So they want... Uh, a specific answer to the question based on their company's financial situation about how the transaction would be financed. And so we answer that in the study. They also want to know what's the company going to look like after the ESOP is completed. Who's going to be running the business? How does corporate governance work in an ESOP company? And so we go through a discussion of of all of that with them. And then the final thing is that most business owners that we deal with say to us essentially, look, 
all of my employees are important to the success of our company, and we want to provide all of them a reward. But there are certain employees that are absolutely mission critical, and we want to do more for them than we do for the other employees. Is there a way we can do that with an ESOP? And there is, and so we give them the specifics of how that would work uh, for their company in an ESOP transaction. So if based on the feasibility analysis, which typically takes four to five weeks to complete, and it's a, an iterative process, we send um, reports that build one on the next and have conference calls uh, to discuss each of those reports and make revisions based on the, the business owner's feedback. But if at the end of that process they decide that based on the feasibility analysis they want to proceed, then they uh, have a separate engagement with this and we put together the ESOP team and it typically takes three to four months to get the transaction completed. That's a great overview. Uh, what about in situations where those owners say, you know, I really want a few of my key people to have some ownership too? That's where the that's where the concept of the partial ESOP comes in, but there's other strategies for that as well, correct? You're right. And so there are situations where um, uh, key people end up with direct stock ownership in a traditional sense, um, and then the ESOP owns the rest of the company. But more frequently what happens is that we use a stock appreciation rights plan that just covers those key employees and a stock appreciation rights or SAR plan operates like a cashless exercise stock option plan. And instead of employees getting actual equity, they get what's referred to as synthetic equity. And when they elect to exercise those SARs, they get an amount of cash equal to the value of what the stock would have been. And so it's a much more tax-efficient way uh, to provide that ownership interest to those key employees. Excellent. So there's a lot of ways to uh, approach this. There, there's a lot of uh, great information available, and I know that you have a, a book called The ESOP Coach, Using ESOPs in Ownership Succession Planning. And... Um, uh, how would our owners uh, fi find our listeners? Excuse me, find out more about that, and and more about uh, uh, what you all do in general at Executive Financial. We've got a revised website. I think many of us, uh, when COVID first came into play, were looking for something to do, and uh, I was one of those people. And so we completely re-engineered our website um, during the end of the. Uh, third or end of the first quarter this year. So uh, I would ask people to go to execfin.com, -E and we've got lots of helpful material there, including a questionnaire that they can complete online. And that questionnaire will give them a strong indication as to whether or not an ESOP might be worth uh, pursuing. Uh, I'm also happy if you send me an email to send a complimentary copy of my book. The mission of the book was to do something different than what was already out there. It's not a technical treatise about ESOPs. 
it's a book written for business owners in plain English, and it has seven or eight case studies based on actual clients and transactions that uh, we've completed. So I get lots of feedback that it was very understandable and, and very helpful. And so if you send me an email at kfin at execfin.com, that's K-F-I-N at E-X-E-C-F-I-N, I'll be glad to send you a complimentary copy of that book. Yeah, and I'm looking at the website. It looks terrific. Great job. Your your work paid you. off. A lot. Of, by the way, uh, listeners, there are case studies, um, all kinds of information. You'll probably see yourself in one of these case studies and really start to make sense whether uh, an ESOP makes you know whether it makes sense for you to to go to the next step. So Kelly, thank you so much uh, once again for joining me. Really a pleasure to to talk to you once again, and uh, wish you all the best. I hope you'll come back and and share uh, an update, uh, hopefully post-COVID. Sounds great, Bill. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 